Good morning. There it is. We gotta jump up and down. Spirit of Grace, it's great to see you. It's great to see our visitors in the house. We're so glad you all are here. Welcome to everyone who will be worshiping with us later online. We're thankful that you are out there, and we pray that God bless you richly this morning. Um, my son and I were. I was talking with the worship team this morning, and um, I was telling them that it, was, it just had been a heavy week spiritually, um, and I'm hearing that from many of you, and so my son said, have you decided what we're singing this week? And I said, no, not yet, I'm kind of going back and forth, and he goes, well, I just think we need to kick the devil in the teeth. And I said, well, there's direction right there, so we are going to rejoice in the Lord, amen, as always. But sometimes you do. You have to spiritually kick him in the teeth and let him know that he's boss. Amen? Yeah. He is in control, always, no matter what it looks like. Psalm 100, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people, and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. Amen.
Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Feels good in the house of the Lord today. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for your worship. You can be seated in his name. It's so good to be together and uh, to see all of your faces in the house of the Lord today. Praise God. I'm glad to know who he is. And I'm glad to be able to call him my Lord and Savior. Praise God. Praise God. What a time we had last night. It was such a wonderful time to have our chili cook-off. And, uh, and and I didn't try all the chilies, just to let you know. <clears throat> Anything that didn't say mild or less than mild <laughs> was not tasted by me. <laughs> Praise God. I, I was thankful to have everybody here, and I found out that I'm not totally useless with my left hand. Right, Jason? <laughs> 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 Randy was his bad luck charm. He and Paul were beaten on and I on the beanbag toss very badly until Randy came around. And then we made our trans triumphant comeback. Praise God. No, we had a great time. Got to sit down and talk with everybody and be able to see everybody out and having the pumpkins and all of the great food that was there. Thank you to Kim and Elena for heading that up. Set up and took down, and, and I don't even know who everybody was that was there because I wasn't there. So I thank you for all of the hard work and everybody that was involved and all that brought chili. I think we had 14 crock pots of chili, so the judges had their work cut out for them. And we're uh, thankful for just a great time and the presence of one another. And where two or three are gathered together in his name, and if we carry his name, we're in his name. He was amongst us. So we're, we're so thankful for that. Praise God. I'm reading from 1 Kings 18 today. 1 Kings chapter 18. I'm going to read one scripture to kick our message off. But then I'll reference pretty much the whole chapter of 1 Kings 18. Praise God. As I get ready to start... Let me just do some technical work from the pulpit. I want to feel hit on there on the soundboard one, the auxiliary channel that has, I think it's channel four, which is the platform if you can bring me down just a little bit. I know those of you that are preachers that are watching us on video are wondering what in the world. Preachers never told them to turn monitors down. <laughs> go down just a little bit more. There's a little bit of an echo. There you go. A little bit of an echo up here for me. Praise God. First Kings chapter 18 and reading just one verse, a short verse, verse number 41. Then Elijah said to Ahab, go get something to eat and drink for I hear a mighty rainstorm coming. The King James Version says, I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. And uh, I want to minister with the help of the Lord this thought today. I hear the rain. I hear the rain. Would you just one more time close your eyes and ask God to uh, give us ears and ears and hearts to receive what he has 
for us today. Jesus, we love you and we praise you. I thank you for this opportunity to open the word of God and to share it with you, uh, with these people. I pray that you would fill me up and pour me out upon your people today and give us all ears to hear and hearts to receive what you're trying to speak to us today. Help us to walk away from this service today encouraged, on fire, and, and in tune with what you're doing in the world today. We'll be careful to give you praise and glory and honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Praise God. I want to welcome all of our guests. Thank you for being with us today. It's good to see you here as well. This passage of scripture is an interesting passage of scripture, and, and, and I feel like God is trying to use this passage today. At least I felt this in my spirit through the week. Um, I believe that God is up to something. I believe that the kingdom of God is getting ready to pour out a mighty blessing of rain, if you will. In, in scripture, water tends to be used by God in a spiritual sense and in a literal sense. Uh, that's why we have baptism, because it's the waters of baptism that cleanse us from our sins. That's why he says that in us will spring up rivers of living Water. There's something about the water. The book of Habakkuk declares that the latter and the former rain together will fall at some point in time. I believe, in fact, that, that verse there in Habakkuk triggered a whole movement about 35, 40, yeah, 45, 50 years ago now. Time's going fast. And it's called the latter rain movement. And, uh, and, and I believe that God is wanting to give us a brand new rain shower, if you will, a brand new storm of, of water, an outpouring of his spirit, an outpouring of his mercy and his grace. And so I want to recognize in chapter 18 that in the natural sense, it, it, it parallels what I believe kind of where we're at in a spiritual sense. Um, I was interested to find out that the number one natural disaster that happens in the world more than any other ones is not the hurricanes or tornadoes or wildfires or uh, any of the other things that we, we read about and hear about so often that even people in our own country right now are dealing with in the aftermath of some of the tropical storms and the fires out in California and Oregon. Uh, but the biggest events they come and they go very quickly, okay? They, they come and they go, but the, the worst natural disaster, according to scientists, is a drought, a drought. It doesn't make a big entrance. It doesn't make the big kaboom and you know that you're in a drought. It starts, in fact, it may start a little bit at just kind of like a dry spell. Little here, little there, and all of a sudden things are starting. But the impact of that drought doesn't happen in a moment. In a hurricane, you know your house is flying down the street. Okay? You, you just know it. Okay? But the termite that's eating your house out and causing it to crumble takes a lot of time. A drought takes time, and the impact of that drought takes time to get to its destructive measure. And, and so it's one of the reasons why scientists will tell you that 
the worst thing that we could ever go through is a drought because it takes a long time. And uh, some scientists even describe this as a creeping disaster. It leaves a trail of destruction as dangerous and deadly as the hurricane, as the tornado, as the wildfire, whatever else it is. In fact, the drought around the world, or a drought, any drought around the world has affected more people in the past four decades than any other type of natural disaster. Now, I don't know that exactly for an absolute fact. I got it from the internet, so we're trusting the internet with that today. But it was not, it was, it was an actual something for climate appeal or something. Can't remember the exact website I was at. But that's what they said. They said, in the last four decades, drought has been more damaging than all of the hurricanes, the tornadoes, the wildfires, etc. And they said the reason is, is because there's three different kinds of drought. There's a meteorological drought, which is a great part of an area that has cracked earth and it just kind of dries up. There's no, there's, you can tell that it's all parched ground. There's no vegetation. It's just totally lost all moisture. There's an agricultural drought, which means the water supplies are just unable to fit the need or fill the need to get the crop or the livestock to grow at an appropriate rate. And so that agricultural drought where, where you may get a little bit of rain, but you're not getting all of the rain that you need to, to build up the plants and, the, and allow the animals to have food and water as well. And, and it may come from a meteorological drought, but it may just be because uh, access to water or supplies or poor timing. For instance, when the snow, uh, the melting of the snow occurs, before it's ready to be absorbed by the, the land around it. And then there's a hydrological drought which occurs when the rainfall persists long enough or doesn't uh, come down long enough to, uh, and so it ends up depleting the, the lakes and the rivers and the reservoirs and the streams and all of the other things. And what we're reading here in verse 41 of Acts chapter Acts, in 1 Kings chapter 18, uh, is the fact that the people of Israel and around the world have, are, have been in a drought for at least three and a half years. Three and a half years. In fact, if you read back at the beginning of uh, chapter 18, you'll see that God tells Elijah, go and present yourself to King Ahab and tell him that I'm going to send the rain pretty soon. And so Elijah starts his journey to go and talk to Ahab. Now Ahab, I, I have never understood this, but they must have had an undercover prophet in the palace. His name was Obadiah. He, the Bible calls him a devout follower of the Lord. In fact, when Jezebel condemned the prophets to death, he took a hundred of them. He hid 50 in one cave and 50 in another cave and then supplied the food and stuff to sustain them. Um, but yet he was still the palace prophet. He was still one of Ahab's uh, assistants, if you will. And so Ahab said, it, the drought had gotten so bad that Ahab said this, Obadiah, you're going to have to go this direction and I'm going to go this direction because we're going to go look for enough wells so that we can get enough grass for at least some of my livestock and horses. Not even to cover it all. See, that's how dry and parched 
that territory was at that time. That's how uh, much of a drought they were in that he's sending Obadiah one direction and he's going another direction. And so as the Bible says, as Obadiah was going out to look for wells, he sees off in the distance Elijah. Now Elijah was the hated prophet. Ahab and Jezebel didn't like him, especially Jezebel, didn't like Ahab, wanted Ahab to be killed. In fact, at the end of chapter 18, uh, Jezebel puts a, a death sentence upon Elijah. And, 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 and so you, that's how much they hated him. And so Elijah shows up to Obadiah, and Obadiah bows before him and says, Are you really Elijah? Elijah says, Oh, yes, I am, and I'm coming to see your master. Go tell him I'm on my way. And Obadiah basically said in Tim Sanders' version, you're crazy. <laughs> he said, Ahab has been looking for you. He has gone to all countries and all territories. In fact, he has required the kings that, that he's come into contact for the most part to, to come to an agreement under oath, if you will, to sign off on the fact that they didn't know where Elijah was, and now you're expecting me to show up and say, well, Elijah's here? You're crazy, Elijah. He'll have me put to death in a heartbeat. Because here, and, and, and this is kind of what he said to Elijah. He said, Elijah, you say that you're going to be there, and I'm going to go back and tell Ahab that you're there, and the Spirit of God is going to take you somewhere else, and you're not going to show up, and I'm going to die. You'll have to read that for yourself earlier in chapter 18. And Elijah says, no, 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 no. By the authority of God, I'm going to be there before Ahab today. And he'll say, okay, I'll go tell him. I'll go tell him. And so he goes and he tells Ahab. And when Elijah comes to Ahab, Ahab looks at Elijah and he says, Elijah, you're a troublemaker for all of Israel. And Elijah, I kind of like Elijah. He, he was one of those that just kind of said it like it was and then dealt with the ramifications later. He said, I'm not the one that's a trouble. You're the troublemaker to the king. <laughs> You're the one that's caused trouble. And I find it interesting in the passage that at that point in time, uh, in, in, in about um, verse number 20. 20 about that he tells Ahab, Ahab, you're such a trouble. If I'm a troublemaker and you're a troublemaker, let's figure out who the biggest troublemaker is. Again, that's Tim Sanders reading between the line version. He was basically saying, Ahab, we're ready to have a contest to see whether Baal is real or God is real. And I want you to notice the audacity of Elijah to tell Ahab to summon all the people of Israel. You call them all, Ahab. And verse 20 says, Ahab did it. <laughs> the king of Israel, he summoned all the people. Jezebel must have been out of town that week. Because Jezebel would have told him not to do it. And Elijah, or Ahab calls all the people of Israel. They come out and all 450 prophets of Baal come out. And they're all out at Mark Carmel. And they're getting ready to have a contest to see who, whose God is the real God. Whether it be Baal or whether it be God. And so, so Elijah, he's setting up all of the terms. He said, listen, it's about eight in the morning or so. Why don't you go first? You set up your altar and you, and you sacrifice unto the God of Baal. And when Baal answers, then let him be God. But if Baal doesn't answer, then I will have my, my turn and I'll set up my altar. And the God that answers by fire is the God of Israel. 
And the, the, the prophets and Ahab and all the people said, that sounds like a good idea. Let's do it. And so they set up their altars and they put on their sacrifice and they, and they get ready to start doing all of the things that they did before Baal. And it came around noontime and nothing happened. Four hours of prayer, four hours of doing whatever they did around the altar and nothing took place. And so Elijah, again, remember, he's kind of the upfront, speak before you think kind of guy. And he said, hey, why don't you try to wake him up? He might be sleeping. <laughs> Let me even go further than that. He, he goes in here, um, verse 27, about noontime. This is biblical now. This isn't me. About noontime, Elijah began mocking them. You'll have to shout louder, he scoffed, for surely he is a God. Perhaps he's daydreaming or is relieving himself. <laughs> That's Elijah. <laughs> or maybe he's away on a trip or he's asleep and he needs to be wakened. And so the prophets of Baal listened to Elijah and they shouted louder, the Bible says. And they did as was their custom. They began to cut themselves and dance around their altar and nothing happens at noontime. And then it's time for the evening sacrifice. So all day long, the prophets of Baal are trying to get Baal to answer by fire from 8 until the evening sacrifice. Now, I don't know exactly what time the evening sacrifice was, but I do know this, the Jewish day ended at 6 p.m. So maybe it was around 5 p.m. I'm not sure exactly, but it was the time of the evening sacrifice, and Elijah said, okay, you've had long enough. If Baal's not listening to you yet, he's not here, he's gone somewhere, and so we're gonna go to my turn. And so he said, he calls and he, he puts the 12 stones back together and he rebuilds the altar, each stone representing a tribe of Israel. And then he cuts up the bowl and he puts the bowl on the altar. And then I want you to notice what he does. Almost as a slap in the face to Baal and all of the prophets of Baal and all of the people of Israel and Ahab and Jezebel in particular, he says what? Get some They're in the middle of a drought. Ahab, just a few verses before, had sent Obadiah and himself out looking for wells in order to supply the need for the horses. And now Elijah, in his audacity, comes and he says, get some water. The Bible says that the moat that he dug out around the altar held about three gallons. And, and so he brought four large pots of water and poured it over. And Elijah said, that's not enough. Get some more. Get some more. And, and so he did. And so all of a sudden, down in verse 33, he says, fill four large water pots with water, pour the water over the offering and the wood. And after they had done this, he said, do the same thing again. And when they were finished, he said, now do it a third time. So they did as he said, and the water ran around the altar and even filled the trench. Now, I don't know about you, but water is not part of fire making 101. <laughs> And in the midst of a drought, no less, what am I trying to say? What I'm trying to say is Elijah's trying to send a message that the thing that you have most need of, if you will sacrifice it unto God, God will pour it out immeasurably. He 
says, take the water. One time's not enough. The second time's not enough. Do it a third time. Soak the altar and the sacrifice to where there's water even in the ditch around the sacrifice. Amen. Then in verse 36, at the usual time for the offering of the evening sacrifice, Elijah the prophet walked up to the altar and prayed. He did, doesn't say that he danced. He didn't have to cut himself. He didn't have to contort himself. He just said, oh Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, prove today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant. Prove that I have done all this at your command. Oh Lord, answer me, answer me, so these people will know that you, oh Lord, are God and that you have brought them back to yourself. The Bible says immediately the fire of the Lord flashed down from heaven and burned up the young bull and the wood and the stones and the dust. It even licked up all the water in the trench. And it was so powerful and dynamic that when the people saw it, they fell face down on the ground and cried out, the Lord, he is God. Yes, the Lord is God. And that's when Elijah had put to death all the prophets of Baal. Don't let a single one escape. That didn't please Jezebel later, by the way. And then that's when we get to verse 41. The people have now fallen on their face before God. God had consumed the sacrifice, the wood, the stones. Have you ever seen stone burn? See, there's some things here that we just kind of take for granted. We understand the sacrifice and the wood being burned up, but it says the stone and the dust was consumed by God. And he even licked up all of the water that was on the sacrifice and around the sacrifice. Listen, what am I trying to get someone? We get to verse 41. This has just happened. The people are now worshiping. Elijah has condemned the prophets of Baal to death. And he looks at Ahab in verse 41. And he says this, go get something to eat and drink for I hear a mighty rainstorm coming. Listen, or an abundance of rain. Listen, they didn't know what a mighty rainstorm was. It had been a long time since they had seen it. The drought was in three and a half years worth of low amounts of water. Yeah, maybe they had a sprinkle here or there, but a downpour was unheard of. They didn't know what it was like. And now, now Elijah is telling Ahab, go eat and drink because we're getting ready because I hear the sound of rain. What was he hearing? Let me just tell you what I believe that he was hearing. He was hearing the Spirit of God licking up the water of the sacrifice when Elijah put it on the sacrifice and laid it down and said, I'm going to prove that I am God. And God's licked up the water. And what Elijah was hearing was the water that was going around in the grace of God. And God was getting ready to pour it out on the land. So verse 42 says, Ahab went to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the Mount of Carmel and bowed low to the ground and prayed with his face between his knees. And then he said to his servant, go and look toward the sea. And the servant went and looked and returned to Elijah and said, I didn't see anything. Seven times Elijah told him to go and look and finally, the seventh time, his servant told him, I see a little cloud about the size 
of a man's hand rising from the sea. And Elijah shouted, hurry to Ahab and tell him, climb into your chariot and go back home because if you don't hurry, the rain's not going to let you get back. Amen. <laughs> and soon the sky was black with clouds and a heavy wind brought a terrific rainstorm and Ahab left quickly for Jezreel. And the Lord gave special strength to Elijah. He tucked his cloak into his belt and he ran ahead of Ahab's chariot all the way to the entrance of Jezreel. Usain Bolt had nothing on the line that day. I don't know who the fastest man alive is or has been. I know we've got some time clocks, but can you imagine Usain Bolt had a streamlined aerodynamic suit that he wore? He was running on hard track ground with the perfect engineered sneakers. Elijah had a cloak that he had tucked into his belt, run through the mud in sandals or no sandals. And he outran a chariot of horses. That's my kind of God. But I want you to notice here the progression that happens in this chapter. See, too often we separate what happens in the chapter and we separate the sound of rain and we separate it from the contest on Mount Carmel because we've gotten so used to chapter and verse in the scripture, but chapter and verse did not is not found in the original manuscript. The translators came back and added scripture and verse to, so that we can understand and be able to find things in the Bible a little bit better. But this is a continuation. The rain was the continuation of the contest. The contest about who God was didn't end when the fire came down and took care of the sacrifice. God wasn't satisfied with just proving himself. He wanted to take what he proved as himself and then infuse it or empower it into people by releasing the worst natural disaster that could happen in the world, which is a drought. And so he says to Elijah, or Elijah says to Ahab, you better go get lunch because it's getting ready to rain. Now, well, what do you mean, Elijah? I said, I hear the sound of a mighty rainstorm. I don't know about you, but before you see something, you're going to hear something. Before you see something, you're going to hear it in your spirit. And then when you see the smallest iota of what God is doing, you can rest assured that what he has spoken is getting ready to happen. Listen, here's why I believe it's been a parallel to where we're at. I believe that we have been living in a drought. I can't put a day or a number of years on it, but it's been quite some time when this society, especially in America, but all around the world, has dried up from the things of God. I don't know the exact moment in time when the United States of America flipped from being a Christian nation to being a non-Christian nation. I know there's data out there, and we can probably bring it back. All I know is this, we have been living in a dry and parched land. A land where hearts and minds have been uh, have dried up and shriveled up because the springs of living water have not been flowing freely. I believe this. I believe from time to time and from person to person we have felt the waters of the Holy Ghost. We're all here after all. And we felt a little bit of the rain. We felt a little bit of the coming of the glory of God. But dare I say I feel 
feel in the spirit. I can say like Elijah said, I see a cloud the size of man's hand. It's getting to rain like we've never made it and understood it to be before. The outpouring of the Holy Ghost is getting ready to fall upon his people. It's getting ready to get wet in the spirit. All around America, if you watch even a little bit on social media, in the midst of all of the unrest and the civil unrest where all the protests are happening, in the middle of those protests, baptisms are happening like crazy. Outpourings of God, restoration of people to God, reconciliation of people to God are happening all over. We're just not necessarily hearing it all yet, but I'm starting to hear the sound of rain falling. I'm starting to hear the prayers of God's people from years ago as they said, God, give us one more revival. God, give us one more outpouring of goodness and mercy. I'm hearing the sounds of the prayers of his people. And it sounds a lot like rain. I sense that there are people even in this house today that have found their way to the altar of sacrifice. And you have said in your own spirit, whether it's these terms or not, you have said, I'm just going to live for you. I've already declared that you're God. I'm placing my sacrifice on the altar. I'm placing the altar there. I'm even going to put a little bit of spirit into it, the water. And God, I'm just asking you to prove that you're God one more time. And God will step in and say, I am the I am. I am God. I am on the side of the king. See, listen, don't get wrapped up with what's going on in the world right now. Don't get tied up, tangled up with what's going on in the poli politics of the world right now. I'm not just talking American, but I'm talking worldwide politics. I'm can I just tell you how, how this drought has been happening in the world? This is not a new thing. What we're dealing with is not that it's the expression of something that started years and years and years ago. In our public school system, what our kids are dealing with today is not something that just popped up in the last year or two, but there was a manifesto written back in 1933 that was adopted by John Dewey. You, you know who the Dewey Decimal System is, where you go into the library, all that stuff? That's the guy that was pro-education, but he started something back in the 30s, I believe it was, I think it was 33, called the Humanist Manifesto and how to reach the next generation with a secularized mindset. Can I tell you, that was the start of the drought that began to happen that we're experiencing now. The damage that's going on around us now is not something new. It's not cataclysmic. It's not a hurricane. It's not a tornado. It's a drought. Amen. And when a drought is answered, it can only be answered by the winds of God and the rains of God and the falling of the Spirit. And I believe that we are at the precipice. We are at the threshold of an outpouring of the latter and the former rain together. There's getting ready to be an outpouring of His Spirit. Like never before, like never before, our families need to have an infusion of the Spirit of God. We need to have an influx of the water of God. I don't know about you, but a shower isn't enough anymore. Have you ever, have you ever been, uh, we've gone a several days, if you will, without rain and it's dry outside and you walk out and, you, and it just starts to trickle and you're like, oh yeah, and then it dries up. 
Oh, wait a minute, that's not enough. We felt that. Can I tell you? Let me just walk you down a little bit of history. When the first church in the book of Acts, the second chapter, found the presence of God and the spirit of God flooding their souls, the Bible said there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting and the Holy Ghost filled all that were present that day. And then later in that day, 3,000 more souls were added to the church and over and over again throughout scripture. And then all of a sudden, some of the philosophies of Greek and Rome started to filter into the church and the church started to grow stagnant in some areas and things started to happen and it started to be a drought and dry things up. And then you had people throughout the course of history like Martin Luther and Jonathan Edwards and all the different patriarchs all the way even to 1901. And you had a man by the name of Charles Parham in Topeka, Kansas sitting in a classroom who did not believe in the outpouring of the Holy Ghost, but some little old ladies that were coming to that class at that night decided if it was in the book of Acts, it's for us, and they locked themselves in the classroom overnight, and New Year's Eve of 1901, the sweet presence of God filled the room, and they were baptized in the Holy Ghost, and they came back to Charles Parham and said, listen, it's been taught in the scripture, what do you say? He said, well, I don't think that happened, and they said, oh, no, 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 it happened, because it happened happened to us last night. That message reached down into the Houston area by, to a man by the name of William Seymour, a, a black preacher that all of a sudden got a hold of the things of God. And from Houston to Los Angeles, he traveled. And in a storefront building in Los Angeles, California, on Azusa Street in 1906, he began to preach what thus says the Lord, and the rain started falling, and testimony after testimony of people that walked by on the sidewalk. The testimony was, as they walked by, and they hit the corner of the property of Azusa Street Church or Mission, they would begin to fall on their face before God on the sidewalk in the middle of Los Angeles. And by the time they crawled to the other side, when they got to the other side, then they got up and began to walk normally. What is going on? That's the rains that began to fall. Little bits. Little bits. Little rainstorm here. A little rainstorm here. Listen, that thing in 1906 in a little storefront. Listen, he didn't even have a full pulpit. The, 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 the history tells us that William Seymour stacked up milk crates for a pulpit. And he began to preach. And the news began to go wide, world spread. And all of a sudden, people from Europe were flying over and coming over on ships, I guess, more appropriate, coming over on ships in 1906 and coming to Los Angeles to see what was going on. And it would hit them because they were thirsty for the things of God and they had been living in a drought and they took it back to Europe and to England and there was a mighty outpouring of revival through Europe and England and all the areas over there and all of a sudden we had a mighty outpouring to where multiple denominations in our world today trace themselves back to the outpouring of Azusa Street. Then it didn't stop there. 1916. Another move of God. Another little bit of rain. Another revival that happened all through uh, Arkansas and, 
and what we classify as the Bible Belt and, and, and things of that nature. And, and, and then it started springing up in Ohio and came north in, in, into the Twin City areas. I, I was blessed to be uh, raised in a church that was the oldest continuous spirit-filled church in, in, in America. Started in 1903, I believe, with Andrew Urshan coming over. And you, you may not know Andrew Urshan, but Andrew Urshan was a missionary to Russia who was connected to the Kiesels. The Kiesels are the missionary, well, they're not missionaries, they're, they're Russian citizens that have raised up a church in my cop, Russia, that you and I support today. It's all different. Little rain pockets. So what does that do? What, what are you trying to say, Pastor? Here's what I'm trying to say. I have the sense I don't say this because I heard a direct word from the Lord, but it's the sense in my spirit that we are fast and quickly approaching the soon coming return of Jesus Christ. I don't believe that it's going to be too much longer. I can't tell you what that is, four years, 10 years, 20 years, 25 years, but like I've said in time past, history is so fast. We're just a small dot. And, but I believe that God is wanting to give this world one more, at least one more rainstorm. One more time when the power of God falls. And we have been prepped for such a time as this. With all of the philosophies in the world, with all of the politics in the world, it doesn't matter to me who wins in November, whether it be President Trump or Vice President Biden. I'm not hooked into America. I'm hooked into the kingdom. If, if, if Joe Biden becomes the president, God is still in control. If Donald Trump remains the president, God is still in control. I know in my earthly flesh I would prefer to be the president, but in my spirit I'm saying it doesn't really matter because God's going to do what God's going to do. And if I'm ready for God to do what God's going to do, I'm going to feel the rain. I'm telling you today what I hear as your pastor. I hear a rainstorm coming. I hear a rainstorm coming. And while I don't have a servant, I have gone to Mount Carmel a couple of times. And all I can tell over the last several years, that now I'm beginning to see rising up from the sea a cloud the size of a man's hand. And when Elijah saw the cloud that was just the size of a man's hand off in the distance, he told Ahab, you better get moving because the rain's going to stop you from getting home. And I'm just telling you that the rain is getting ready to fall. And it's going to fall on the just and the unjust. On the just, it's going to be a refreshing. On the just, it's going to be an encouragement. On the just, it's going to be blessings. On the just, it's going to be that which God wants to do for us. But for those that are stuck behind, like Ahab would have been stuck behind, it's going to be muddy. It's going to be dirty. It's going to slow them down. It's going to come against them. Listen, the church is getting ready to explode. The kingdom of God is on advance. The kingdom of God is moving. The kingdom of God is walking in the authority of Almighty God. 
no political system, no president or vice president, no prime minister, no, 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 no king, no, 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 none of the leaders of the world. They can't hinder what's getting ready to happen. They can fight against it. They can fight against it all they want. But Elijah already proved who was actually in charge. It's not the philosophies of the world. It's not the politics of the day. It's Almighty God. He's the one in control. He's the one that's leading it all. He's the one that's going to do it. And here's the thing. I want to be a part of that. Listen. I invite you to stand. I'll give you hope that I'm not. Twenty twenty. Let me just be totally transparent with you. Over the last couple of weeks, I have found myself totally worn out. Not sleeping tired, but just not totally connected. And I know why. It's because 2020 has been a mess of a year. And since I did this and can't even hold anything, can't do anything and sit at home, it's made it just worse, just to be honest. I've gotten frustrated. You should see me try to brush my teeth left-handed. <laughs> I hold the brush and move the head. <laughs> Just telling you. Twenty twenty has been a year of drought. There's been pockets of time where we've had a shower and we've come together and we've felt the presence of God. And we have felt the encouragement of God. And we have felt the uplifting of God. But then we've got to turn out, turn around and we go back out and social media hits us in the face and news media hits us in the face and jobs hit us in the face and school hits us in the face and all of the junk that's going on in the world hits us right in the face and it's like, oh, that little rain shower wasn't quite enough, God. Yeah. But can I tell you, on the other side of the drought, a storm is brewing. Not a storm of judgment, but a storm of empowerment. A storm of blessing. Here's what a drought does. A drought makes somebody become creative. Amen. A drought changes people from the normal way of doing things. A farmer can't farm in a drought like he farms when there is no drought. He still needs to figure out how to get a crop, but he can't farm the same way. He may have to, he may have to trunk in water. He may have to do something different. He may have to bring in an added expense 
to his ledger in order to get water onto his crop. Listen, can I just tell you, in the church world, there's been some added expense to who we are. We haven't been able to be live all that. We were gone for like six six weeks, six months, or six weeks, or eight weeks, something like that, in March and April and May. We had to become creative. We had to figure out how to use phones and computers. And some of us still struggle to get on Zoom on Wednesday night. And we've had, to, we've had to adjust. We haven't been able to have Sunday school. I, I, I'm praying that we can have Sunday school shortly. I, I'm praying that we can have midweek service shortly. I, I don't know how it's all going to look. We're going to have to rearrange. We're going to have to redo. We're going to have to be creative. We're going to have to do like things like we did last night and fight for fellowship. We're going to have to do some things to let uh, the, the church be the church. But can I just tell you that I am standing before you as your pastor and I'm hearing the rain. I'm hearing the sacrifices turned over in the hands of God. I'm, heard, I'm hearing the times where you've had to log on digitally and watch a service and not be able to interact with one another. And, and, and I see that and I know that. And you've been so faithful. Don't stop now because I'm hearing all those sacrifices. God is starting to embrace them. And he's starting to mix them in the clouds of glory. And I believe very soon he's going to tip over the cloud. And the rains are going to come down. And we're going to have lives that are changed. And I just have to believe that, listen, there's a, there, there's a gentleman that, that hasn't been able to be at church because he's a high-risk patient. Most of you probably know him. A lot of our newer people may not. His name is Aaron Mormon, Roy Aaron Mormon to be exact. And he usually sits right over here by Randy. He's wheelchair bound. He's been wheelchair bound for years. But listen, he would come in all of the time. All of the, I've been back 12 years. I've known him my whole life. But in the last 12 years, I can't tell you how many times that he has pulled me aside and said, I just want this to be another Azusa Street. I want people driving by Woodcrest that don't understand what they're feeling when they're driving. But it starts at that point of the property and ends at that point of the property and says there's something different going on in that house. I want you to be walking into work tomorrow with a smile on your face and the person that has thrown their weekend away on drugs and alcohol and they're just trying to make it through another day. When they look at you, they see something different because there's getting ready to be a rainstorm. I hear it all the time. There's getting ready to be an outpouring of the things of God. I'm sorry if I'm a little emotional today, but there's something that's happening in the spirit realm. There's something that is going on. I can't totally explain it other than to say, I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. Don't be weary in well-doing, for in due season we're going to reap if we faint not. Don't let yourself faint. Don't let yourself grow cold. Just adapt. Just adapt to what's going on. Just adapt to what's happening. Just adapt to having a wearing the mask. Just adapt to having to, to, to sit at home on a Wednesday night and, and look at a computer. Just adapt for just a little bit of time because the clouds are brewing. The storm's coming. We're going to have a deluge of water that we don't know how to handle. There's going to be people walking in from the street. Listen. I'm meeting somebody tomorrow afternoon. He called 
you said, my life is a mess and I just happened by your church. I'm sitting in your parking lot. Can I set up a meeting? What's happening? What, do you hear it? Everybody close your eyes. Do you hear it? Is your spirit sensing? Is there an energizing? Listen, I live on the western side of Grand Rapids, and I can look out over Mercy Hospital, and I can start seeing the clouds brewing when the storms are coming our way. And you can see the energy in some of them, and you can look across the river there, and you can see the lightning come down. And I know it's not too long away until the clouds are going to cross the, 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 the river, and they're going to come into our neighborhood, and they're going to begin to pour out some rain and things. And, and so I'm, I'm prepared for it because I can see it. Listen, in the spirit, I see the lightning off in the distance. I see the clouds rolling in. It started out just as a, listen, in 1996, it started out as a little cloud in somebody's home. It went to a rental facility in Brooklyn Center. In 1999, it was incorporated as a church. In 2000, uh, in 2000, I believe, in 1999, it went to 109th and Blaine, which is now, I think, an East Sig store. <laughs> uh, it's a holy East Sig store. Uh, and, and in 2004 and 5, it went into that little building behind us, and God began to continue to move. The clouds have gotten bigger. In 2018, we broke ground. In 2019, we came in here. I don't know what's getting ready to happen, but I hear the sound of abundance of rain. It's getting ready to storm, and I don't want to miss it. I need some water. I need some water. I need some water. If you're here today and you're thirsty and you've you recognize the drought. I want to challenge you. I know social distancing, normally I'd have everybody just jam around the altar, and we can't do that right now. So I declare this entire sanctuary to be an altar in the presence of God. It's an here We are now coming together as the body of Christ fitly framed together, and we're going to begin to raise a voice. Joshua said it this way. On the seventh time around Jericho on that seventh day, he said, shout unto God, for he's given you this city. I declare in this hour and this day, if you would raise your hands with me and begin to cry out to God, the walls of Jericho are getting ready to fall. The rains of glory are getting ready to come down. Would you join me right now all across this place? Cry out to God in your own way. In the name of Jesus, I shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Let it rain, oh God. Let it rain.
been questioning whether this thing is real. And God has sent the pastor of this church to speak in your heart right now. What you are sensing is not emotion. It may be emotional, but it's not just emotion. What you are sensing is the king of all eternity and the creator of the universe. Ushering himself into the presence of his creation. You have questioned whether you're good enough or not to be called his. Can I just tell you that you are? Not because of you, but because of him. He died on a cross for you. Because he thought you were valuable. He paid a price for you because he thought you were worth it. And if he thinks you are worth it and he would sacrifice everything for you, who are you to question him? Stop listening to those around you. Stop listening to the adversary. Stop listening to your own past that's trying to cause an echo chamber in your life to keep you down, to keep you bound up, to keep you inhibited, to keep you locked in place. I declare to you today, be free in the name of Jesus because he has set you free. And who the Son has set free is free indeed. Yes. 